Marketing Made Easy, the podcast. Now here are your hosts from Get Savvy Club, Anna Geary and Anita Baldwin. Hello, welcome to Marketing Made Easy from the Get Savvy Club. I'm Anita Baldwin, as I normally am, and I'm here with Anna Geary. Hi, Anna, how are you? Good. You, are you okay? Yes, I'm very good, thank you. Today, we've had a lovely lady on our podcast called Sarah Townsend. I was fortunate to meet her just by chance at a um, event that I was speaking at last month. And you know, when you, you see people, you walk it, because I, I had got there for the speaking event. I wasn't there for the whole day, so I got there around lunchtime so everybody else had already had that sort of time where they sort of already kind of connected got to know each other a bit and whatnot and when I walked in I just instantly drawn to her you know when you just see someone you just think oh I'll go over to that table kind of thing and I went over and we just hit it off straight away and got chatting and her books like when she was talking about her book all the knowledge that she has around uh, copywriting and the marketing side ah she would make a great podcast guest and then when I spoke to her about that she's oh yeah actually I've done she said she's done about 60 you know 60 odd podcast guests already that kind of all came from obviously having the books and things, which is great. And it did make me think we need to get on other people's podcasts more. But she's got a great story. She's got a great vision. This will help you a lot. If you are not a natural writer or you you think, oh, I can't be doing with words and the different ways to do it. This has got a lot of really good tips in it. So she's an awesome person. And bless her, I couldn't speak at the event um, because I wasn't very well. And so she sent me a voice note saying, really sorry you're not here. Like as if we were friends already. It was lovely. So it made me feel like we were friends already. Yeah. Um, so yeah, awesome stuff. So we'll let you listen and make up your mind. So let's get into it. If you're enjoying Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club, use your podcast app to rate, review and subscribe. So I've been a freelance marketing copywriter for 23 years now. And that means that I help business owners and marketing managers kind of take the pressure off their own jobs and free up time and headspace to do other things that they like working on rather than trying to work out their words. And yeah, so I help their marketing copy get better results. So that's things like website copy and um, email campaigns, that kind of thing, focusing predominantly on website copy. Two years ago, I wrote and self-published my first book, which is Survival Skills for Freelancers, which has somehow managed to sell in more than 22 countries. Oh, wow. um, And has got 400 reviews on Amazon, which I'm very chuffed about. And it's helped a lot of people actually take the leap into self-employment and then feel reassured and to help them grow in confidence. It's obviously much needed. I believe it really was because when I started out, I was a 20-something-year-old woman who had just become a mum. I knew nothing about being a mum and I was going self-employed because... I obviously couldn't, you know, I was on maternity leave and then I didn't want to go back to working five days a week, driving down to Bristol every day. Um, nothing against Bristol. I love Bristol, but it's just wasn't practical. So I wanted to go part time and there was nothing out there then to support me as a young woman who just felt as if all the books that were out there at the time were very rah-rah American, very masculine energy, very process-driven, whereas Survival Skills for Freelancers is very much focused on the stuff that's in here and the stuff that's in here. Um, The purpose of the podcast, she pointed at her head. Oh, I did. Oh, yeah, (laughs) God, that's not ideal, is it? Yeah, the things that, that, the ways in which we get in our own way with kind of not having the mindset for success, but not kind of being hustle driven like all about being busy 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 really Mm. about taking care of yourself mentally physically setting boundaries creating a healthy way of working that can actually enable you to be your most productive your most focused and your most creative so um imposter syndrome learning to say no creating a community around you getting the support you need 
all those things like all very important yeah but really actually important. not on your list when you're starting a business not on your to-do list at all absolutely not and you know I think that's what I've, I've delivered so much training about this since I've never done a podcast interview or a training event or a webinar or a talk since before I published that book and it's all kind of kicked off since then so I do a lot of training now about the reality of self-employment versus the expectation because we all think woo it's going to be freedom and flexibility and working from coffee shops and <laughs> you know ladies who lunch and swanning around yeah. wearing lovely dresses but you know we think that we've got this superpower so in my case my superpower is copywriting and editing I see a document I can instantly see what's wrong with that document I can pull it apart and put it back together in a way that works really well and gets you do it all the time like I do with menus because I I can't yeah. have spot typos <laughs> everywhere I'll look at a menu and I'll go well it's not that wrong and I just yeah, I can't yeah. not see so any of these things because I've spent years being trained to do that yeah absolutely can't switch off from it and it, it does become quite irritating actually like <laughs> I'm always correct like like my nearest and dearest I don't do it with like friends too much uh, they might say otherwise but like my partner I'm always going no you meant this you meant this yes yeah, yeah. So it's really annoying I know this but it's probably the least of my annoying habits needed though is. needed though and at least you say it nicely well, well years ago when I first started out I think it was my first recruit yeah it was one of my first recruitment jobs I worked with a lady and we called her like grammar girl Lisa I loved her but in that office they won't mind me saying this they were very bitchy and so CVs would come in and they would just rip these CVs to pieces like with the different um because they'd use the wrong your or their or mm. whatever and I, I promise you I'd just scraped my GCSE uh, English and I held no value on all this stuff before I worked there so I'd done lots of jobs before, mm. lots of sales jobs whatever and it wasn't until I worked in that office with those people that I thought ah people really judge on this stuff I need to get like up to speed so I never like, really admitted properly to them like how bad mine was but I listened I listened listened and I was like right okay so yeah. there 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 because I actually valued it for once in my life I actually got up to speed still there's still loads of um I'm not anywhere near as good as obviously you or Anita but uh, now I'm far better at it. I can spot it myself. But yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things. Of, and uh, my my daughter, she loves it. She loves knowing all of that. And if anyone's horrible to her, like going, mm, uh, actually, I think you meant the other your, um, because that doesn't mean so because it makes her look smart and you know she can be sarcastic back with it. So that's her way of like learning it. But yeah, that's, that's the only way of making talk. friends. <laughs> yeah, I know. But if they're horrible to her, they're horrible to her, and she can like. Quit my back daughter's with that, the worst. She'll say yeah. stuff to me, and I'll be like, Ellie, that's not even a word. And she'll like, well, it should be. Doesn't care at all. She's just making up words as she goes along. Like, yeah, as if she, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll probably just invent it then. Ellie will put it on the, in the dictionary. She'll make it a word. Yeah, it there. It yeah so it's, it's funny how like some people get it at a young age and then like live for it and love it. And then other people just yeah. buy and it, it does make it, it does. Should yeah. assume, but it really like, obviously in your profession, you've got to. And different yeah. jobs, you can get away with it more. But actually overall, if you want to be taken seriously, you've got to get to some level um, with the grammar, haven't you? And, See, and now I'm torn between wanting to finish off addressing Anita's point about we're not prepared, you know, because it's all the business end of stuff. And it's all those challenges that yes. we're not prepared for. But you just perfectly, perfectly set me up, Anna. So this is my new book, which came out a um, month ago. Yeah. What was Just that? One? I couldn't quite read it. Oh, so it's called The Little Book of Confusables. And oh, okay. the idea is it's 
gorgeous inside. It is. Typographically so, so beautiful. So to make it easy to use, and it's full of fun, memorable and smart examples to remember those words, like the two different spellings of discrete, which is which. And like with the- I didn't even know there was two different spellings of discrete. Why? With with the queen dying recently, a lot of people were spelling the wrong use of the word rain. Does it have an E-I-N or is it with the G? Um, And then the obvious ones like you're and you're there and there, practice and practice. But then also lots of other similar words that often get into used interchangeably that aren't interchangeable, like acute and chronic, libel and slander. I could never remember those two. Poisonous and venomous. Poisonous. Inquiry and enquiry. That's that's a yeah. Yeah, but that's more of like a UK versus Americanism type thing. So a lot of the, do you know what? I've sold so many copies in the US already, and I kind of just want to emblazon it with like intended predominantly for the UK market. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you can't have it. They have like they don't have two versions of license in the US. They only have the one version, which is the noun and the verb. So there are all they did without strip a load of letters out that they felt were unnecessary as well didn't they yeah well yeah I, I, it's it's like, like, you, uh, let's just take it out your daughter's the new america because she <laughs> thinks she can just yeah yeah you're right it, it, it is confusing the english language it is confusing that, so many, apparently so many. it's one of the hardest languages to learn because there are so many anomalies but that's i think that's what the joy of it is and i just think it's it's a crying shame that we're dumbing it down as we go along because um the, the worst one and i can't can't get my son out of the habit of doing this, but it's could of and could have. When, when you've spoken and the way we hear it, we yeah. hear it as could have yeah. because it's could of. Yes. And we kind of run it together as one word. But yeah, that, that's could of, should of, would of. They're all in the book. And it is just that thing. We don't have to dumb down. It, there are really easy and fun ways, not just of looking up the difference, but, but using this book of learning the difference so that you actually kind of next time you go to write practice, you're like, is it with a C or with an S? You'll just remember that I, C, E at the end of the word. Ice is a noun, and therefore practice with ICE at the end is the noun form. So I love how you just uh, just assume that people know what nouns are and such like. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's a whole level of difference. And then you you know as well, like when you say like the could of and stuff. When you when you're brought up in a family that literally they they do not speak properly in the first place, trying to work out how things are, are. like how things should be spelled is really, really difficult. Not yeah. saying, Jack, uh, your, your son, he's just... But it's funny because my dad... My dad came, moved over here when he from Germany when he was 10 and he uh, went to school but nobody could speak German and he couldn't speak any English so he was put in the idiots class, fitting the round shape oh, into the round God. hole until he picked up enough English to join lessons and everything. So I think because of that, he didn't have a, the greatest mother so at 16 she went, oh, and now you need to leave home and support yourself. So all he could do was join the army, which is what he did. He was never like had a lot of education. I think because of that, it was really important to him and he probably speaks the best English and no you know if ever I don't know a word I'll go what's this mean and he always knows it and it's probably coming from a place where he didn't have all of that and felt was made to feel ashamed of it that he was like it was really important that his children went to university and you know education was everything in our house growing up you can have as much as you want 
in terms of education, buying books and everything. But if you'd say, you know, can I have some money to this? No. <laughs> if you go, can I have some money to buy a book for school? Yeah, whatever you want. Yeah. So it's like really important. And that's probably why, isn't it? Interesting. I'll tell you what I think is is quite interesting with the feedback that I've had on my books. The fact that you're saying about growing up in an, a real, really kind of highly educated background. I, I don't have a degree. I didn't go to uni. I chose to go out to work and I wanted to do that. I tell that story at the start of survival skills to kind of illustrate the point that everybody's journey to freelance life is completely different. But because I didn't go to uni, I never learned to write in that really academic, really sort of esoteric, really restricted way that only a certain selection of the of the population of the UK can actually understand. So I naturally write in a very human way because that's the only way I know how. And I write as if I'm speaking. So which is more relatable. Yeah. Absolutely it is. And I get so much feedback. Somebody from Canada, this is really random, but somebody from Canada wrote an Amazon review, five star Amazon review for, for survival skills and said, this is the first book I've managed to read from start to finish since I read, oh God, something about a mosquito, like Nohito Mosquito or something like this back (laughs) in sixth sixth grade in school. And because they were severely dyslexic and he said he just read it and it was just such a breeze to read. So it's all about getting the message. It's just the same as when we're marketing our businesses. It's all about getting our message from the page or the screen, because we're often reading on screen now, but from the page to the brain with the least resistance. And if you can do that by having a really clear grasp of the language you're using and using as few words and as clear words as you possibly can, you're going to get much better results. Yeah, definitely. Because I'll often write something, then have to go back and amend it because I write in a much more formal way than I speak. So I've never used the word hitherto in a sentence. I'll write it in an email and then go... (laughs) and make it more um friendly i guess because conversational um english is way more friendly than formal written english isn't it i'm like doing this with my fingers like typing absolutely i did a um i delivered an event um for the institute for translation interpreting on saturday um went down to bristol and did an hour talk and then an hour workshop kind of putting what we learned into practice all about writing clearly for business and um getting results from your writing and these are all professional translators and interpreters so these are people who work with words for a living and they were just amazing and actually funnily enough you saying about that about your writing needs to sound as if it's coming from your mouth almost with certain certain exceptions obviously you wouldn't use slang or you probably wouldn't swear in in um business writing please please write a capital i for i and not a little (laughs) i please (laughs) see that so often and somebody took a photo of me standing up the front and I'm actually standing by a slide that says, you do you. And then underneath it says, if you wouldn't say it, don't write it. That's just kind of good general guidance for your writing. Like We all just get so used to churning out those lazy, meaningless phrases like, we would like to apologise for any inconvenience caused. How sick do you get of reading those words? Your call is important to us. Oh, is God. Like, oh, no, I don't think it is. And uh, we are experiencing an above average number of calls. Like, no, you're not. Just you're understaffed. Just do something. I, know, I always think that. As soon as I hear that, I think, because we've only got one person on and she's gone out for a fag. <laughs> <laughs> the cynics view. We're obviously cynics in some ways, but... Yeah. I just think you guys don't like human either then just yours is on the phone (laughs) (laughs) we just need to question the words that we're using and actually think about whether the phrase that we're using is just like 
it's it's like knee-jerk language, isn't it? Those yeah. phrases that we churn out, we don't really think about whether they, what do they actually mean? You know, we would like to apologise. For starters, a lot of the time people are saying we would like to do something. Mm. They're actually just one person writing in response oh, to their yeah. business. That's that's covered in the book, the importance of using I, not we. Yes. When yes. You are yeah, working. because... Be proud. 100% agree. When Anita yeah. and I started working together, and obviously sometimes I had to say we, and it, it took ages because I always felt a bit of a wanker saying we, but it was actually, it was we, like it was it, yeah. it was supposed to be, but I, had, I almost felt it's like, and then I'd say like, because there is two of us, like I'm not just being a knob that's, it's me, and then I'm saying we instead of like I, yeah, it just, say, it took a while to. That to, is yeah. totally different, but yeah. I have so many clients come to me and they are business owners, freelancer, owner managers, whatever you want to call it. And they are so used to hiding behind this we. And yeah. I think, well, why make yourself? Do you know what? Now the big brands are spending thousands and thousands of pounds on making themselves look smaller. Smaller, yeah. More boot campy, more relatable. Yeah. Do you know, even yeah. Costa, artisan coffee or whatever, however they mm. describe it. And um, yeah, we've got that benefit already just naturally by yeah. being just us in our business. We don't have expensive yes. overheads. Our clients aren't like indirectly paying for us to have holidays. And we care about every client because it means Absolutely. something to us. Absolutely. Mm. So yeah, stop hiding behind we. There is a blog post out there that I've written on my website about the same subject or um, get a copy of Survival Skills for Freelancers and read about it in there because there's so much information on kind of marketing your business in there as well. Yeah, important stuff. It is important. Like, like you know, like I think that my children don't think getting language right isn't they think they always roll their eyes at me and like it doesn't matter and I'm like it does matter and it, it really mm. does because you know I was determined um that they weren't going to have like the typical Leicester accent because people will judge you on how you sound and so if you go to a job mm. interview and you sound like that people will assume you're not as bright <coughs> as if you go and you speak properly and you pronounce mm. all your words correctly and you don't oh. miss out words and and things like that so it was really important to I used to say you know if they drop letters I'd go well how do you spell it and make them spell it to me yeah. and go see there's a T in the Water middle of that word it has a T. pronounce it <laughs> I love <laughs> I, I think I've probably done very similar because my son just two weeks ago went off to uni and he's studying English and creative writing so oh, my boy chip off the old block Absolutely he is. And he actually, if anybody has read this, in the acknowledgements at the back, I actually say this book wouldn't have existed without George because when I told him about it, he's always been just as obsessed with language as I am. He won the English. They actually created an English cup in his last year of primary school so that they could award it to him because Aww. he was so talented at English, which is lush. And he's just got himself a scholarship. He didn't even tell me he'd applied for a scholarship. And he's like, oh, yeah, mum, I got the scholarship. I'm like, what? He's like, oh, yeah, I got the English scholarship. So I'm like, super proud mum. But he, when I told him about the book, he's like, can I help you with that over the summer before I go to uni? Obviously, I was paying him £10 an hour, which is not a bad rate for a 19-year-old as he was then. Yeah, he ended up really being my sounding board for some of the ex some of the like the tips and the examples of how to use the words but he also taught himself in design so so what are your tips for people who you know write something and and how to read it back and actually notice the things you need to notice god okay so there's like a lot i could say on that subject so i'll just kind of give a few off the top of my head tips i would certainly say 
read it. So say, for example, let's take the example of you've written an email before you send it. Do you read it through and check that it makes sense? I mean, I use the read aloud feature on Microsoft Word on, haven't yet worked out if Google Docs has one, but certainly you can do it. I've never used that. Oh, it's amazing because you get so close to what you write. However many times you check it, it's so easy to miss out those like missing words or duplicate words or words that are the wrong word in the wrong context your brain will change it for you won't it because it's trying to help you what it it expects to be so i might use that for our book use the robot voice on your word doc or on your it's quite often in the accessibility settings in your i've got a mac so it's in system preferences in the Mac settings, if anybody else is the same, but you can like highlight the text and then just click read aloud. And then if you sort of stand up away from your desk, for starters, this is a good freelance tip. When you're working in front of your laptop all day, you're hardly moving, you finish your day, you're all stiff, you're uncomfortable, you feel fatigued, you've got sore eyes. So it's really important to get up, move around during the day as you're working. And that's a really good way of doing it because when you're not staring at the words, you can listen to them with a different brain mode engaged. You're far more likely to spot mistakes. I would say use short, punchy paragraphs and sentences. If anybody's been paying attention to what's been happening over on LinkedIn, I know you guys have because you're amazing at LinkedIn. But if you notice the way that people post LinkedIn posts now has really changed over the past 18 months or so. It's all about Align a space, align, and people punctuate with emojis. That's what we teach to put lots of spacing into there because of the uh, brain. We were talking about it last night, actually, on our training, yeah. weren't we? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I, I really believe that that helps when you, if you think about the emails that you receive on a typical day, if you receive an email and someone's put, hey, Anita, space, one line, why they're messaging you, one line, two lines of the body of the message, one line to sign off and then their name. It's like, it feels light and airy and fresh. It doesn't feel daunting. It doesn't feel like, oh my God, I'm going to need to steal myself to read this email. I got one yesterday. It was so dense. I actually printed it off so that Mm. I could physically read it and highlight the the Or you minimise it. I'll come back to that, but you never do. Oh yeah, absolutely. Look up George Orwell's six rules for writing because they are old, but blooming brilliant they still stand to this day so it's things like never use a long word where a short word will do there's a lot of wisdom in the old stuff isn't there there really is a lot of it really still stands so I think a lot of us remember how we were taught at school we had to write an essay on a particular subject we had to stuff it with to get to a thousand word word count (laughs) say the same thing three times you know we we don't have the luxury of being able to do that now the human brain attention span is has gone down from 10 seconds in 2020 i think to eight seconds now and a goldfish how long do you think a goldfish has isn't that that's like three to five seconds or something a goldfish apparently has nine second attention spans so a human attention span is now worse than a goldfish i can believe it quite a nice fascinating fact that was in my talk of the weekend but the the latest figures suggest that we are subjected to between ten thousand and forty thousand is it ten thousand forty thousand i'm questioning myself now but i think it's that that's the figure but marketing messages every single day so we have seconds to grab our audience's attention really think about that subject line 
the hook on your social media posts, that's the first line or two lines that people see when they're scrolling their feed on Instagram or, or LinkedIn or whatever. Mm. Really think about not making it about you. Don't go, oh, I won an award this week. Like, how can Yawn. you win? Exactly, with something that's going to... So, perfect example. I, I had a pallet of these delivered the other day because a self-published author... This book can only be sold on Amazon and it drives me up the wall. I've been really fighting a losing battle trying to get it into bookshops because of the weird, what I call chunky dinky size, because it's really flickable. But there's loads of logistics. So I thought, right, I'm going to pay a proper litho printer to print a couple of hundred copies and then I can sell them direct. So at least people who want to boycott Amazon can buy direct from me. I'll sign their copy. I'll post it out to them straight away. And they delivered. And instead of it being just a few boxes, which was what I was expecting, guy knocks on the door and he's like, Townsend, <laughs> yeah, got a pallet for you. And I was like, what? And I was thinking, I'm not having any building work done. What are you on about? And he's, and I said, what, who's it for? Who's it from? And he said the name of the printer. I'm like, oh my God. So I had to open my garage door. <laughs> have delivery of this massive pallet. I saw you shared that on social books. media, didn't you? Yeah. Exactly. So, but instead of going, now you can buy copies of, of Little Book of Confusables and Survival Skills direct from me. I just went, I've got a pallet in my garage and then kind of oh, clear and then why. go on to the next bit. Yeah. And then people kind of go, and I said, no, I'm not having building work done. So it's thinking about creating intrigue. Ask a question. Ask people for their feedback. What do you think of this? What's your experience been with this? But really focus on the end goal. What does your piece of communication, your email, your um, blog post, your social post, your um, email newsletter, what do you want people to do as a result of reading that thing? Because when you know that, that makes it much easier to keep your message really clear, get to the point and make that call to action really, really blatant. Yeah. Not what do you want to tell them, but what might they want to read about? Right. It's all about what's in it for me. So think of your reader as being the me and they're going, so, you know, like, yeah. think, like be literally a cynical reader, read your copy back to yourself from the point of view of a cynical person who's just like, I don't really care. So like, what? what yeah. care? So what? Yeah, what yeah. me? So that will really help you to focus your writing on what is in it for your customer instead of focusing on, you know, too many businesses. You, you guys come across this all the time, I'm sure. Too many businesses focus their website copy, for example, on we have been established for 25 yeah. years and we are experts in the field of I used to work for a company and they they always, uh, we, when we went out for meetings, they, they'd say, oh, tell them that we've been around since 1980, whatever. And like me, as like when I worked there, when I said, I was like, nobody cares. No, no. I used to, many, many years ago, I, we recruited a PR company to do some PR for one of the companies I worked for ages ago. And they, they had someone in it who was very senior in tabloid journalism. And they said in the tabloids, they had what's called the Hey Doris factor. And when doing headlines and, you know, if it didn't have, you know, where a housewife would go in the garden and go over the fence, go, Hey Doris, have you seen this? <laughs> then it wasn't getting in the paper. And that's how they, you know, it's like, right. So we need to create some PR that's got the Hey Doris. And I'm like, Hey Doris, what? You're like, but, yeah. you're there like, I love that. <laughs> Yeah. I love that. It's absolutely true, that. isn't it? Because we all want to find out something titillating, whatever that word is, or whatever, mm. and go, oh, God, did you see this? And that's that's like the, um, you know, the best thing it can be, isn't it? I've got to say, it is such a difficult balance to get, though, isn't it? Because you don't want to be clickbaity. 
That's yeah. the thing. You don't want to because we all don't want to be clickbaity without people. substance. I think you do yeah. have to be clickbaity, but you need to then deliver on it. So where yeah. you go, you know, where you click on this and then you're disappointed. You don't want that. But if you like read on and it like answers the curiosity question or you know what have you, then I think that's Absolutely. acceptable. Yes. So if we just... say to people, think of that first line of your social media post as a headline on you know yeah, on a the newspaper and what have you, and what's going to make somebody want to then read yeah. the article underneath, which is the body copy of your post yeah and also remember um you know david ogilvy the the great ad man of your um he said five times as many people read the headline as read the body copy so i always think to keep that in mind because yeah your if your readers don't like the look of your subject line on your email newsletter for example it's going to go straight in junk and they're yeah. not even going to read it so they won't get past the headline um yeah. and, and the subject line is the headline in that case but it's exactly the same for blogs you've got to put that value in there you know think about using power words for example smart blogger or, there's so many lists of uh, power words out there but smart blogger has a good one yeah just think about are you using the language that your clients your target audience your customers yes. use yeah. we're all so hung up on oh yeah i'm b2b i'm b2c i'm actually a mixture <laughs> of both <laughs> we're actually human to human aren't we at the end of the day yeah you exactly. are the owner of a business and you're writing an email that you want to address a CEO of another business, you don't think of that person as a business. Otherwise, you're effectively addressing a bricks and mortar store or whatever mm. the business is. You I had a, I, that that CEO is a human. And how are you going to solve the burning questions and the things that keep them awake at night? How do your yes, products yes. and services solve How are you going to help them? I had a boss years ago who was the MD and he had like 2,000 on read emails and it was a nightmare trying to get through to him because he was so busy and so I just used to write like a really salacious subject line for my email that I knew I wanted him to read like I'd write 40 and still naughty and then his office was down the hall from me and then he'd open it and then I could hear him shouting that's not even about that just about how you market yourself isn't it so that was pure clickbait and then it, was ne it never delivered on it but yeah it used to make him laugh but it's actually last month's sales figures <laughs> yeah yeah couldn't be more Love dull it. yeah definitely <laughs> but yeah it's about you know put yourself in there and like you say we've got all that information coming at us and it's even worse than that because we've got something in the brain called the ras i can't remember what it stands for which filters it for us so unless it's something we think we're interested in because that's the kind of thing we're talking about it won't mm. even let us see that content we just it's just passes us by and we don't even notice it so mm. you know you could be in that that you could have the most valuable product and be really able to help somebody but if you don't use the right words in a way that's going to make them stop and look they'll they'll just pass you by and this is all the more reason not to resort to those wordy wallpaper phrases like we already talked about because your brain is just so used to seeing them. It just sees it as white noise and it just yes. doesn't even register the meaning. So like I, ha I, I produced a plain English cheat sheet. If anybody wants to DM me or contact me through social media after listening to this, I'll, I'll gladly send you a copy of my cheat sheet because it, it's kind of all the things that we say that we don't really think about. So why not just say, you know, we messed up, we're sorry, or I'm sorry, I made a mistake, you know, hands up, I accept the, I accept responsibility for that, my bad. Oh, you well, know, that's incredibly powerful, powerful, isn't it? 
incredibly mm. powerful. Yes, it really is. So just stop, stop using that kind of wordy wallpaper. There is just it's not going to create an impact. It's all about breaking through the busyness barrier, isn't it? We're all kind of surrounded by all this stuff. If you create some communication that does that, I was talking about earlier, page to the brain or the screen to the brain with the least resistance, you have the highest chance of getting your reader to take action as a result of what they've read. That's a win. Definitely. Yeah, awesome stuff. So two questions we always ask everybody is, what makes you savvy? Oh God, I've got so many things I could answer for this. My brain is like firing off at, at, at different angles. I would say really having that superpower of knowing that if, so say if a client sends me this document, it's an absolute mess, it's been written by 10 people and it needs to be consistency-fied and it needs to work in a powerful way. I just have the superpower to kind of look at that and go, okay, this is what's wrong. And then I do it. And then I send it mm. back. So that is kind of superpower savvy. Is that kind of the same yeah. thing? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Just see it. Some people do maths like that. They just see the answer yeah. when they look at it. Yeah. Don't they? yeah. But yeah, that's exactly the reason why I wrote the little book of computables. Cause I've worked with thousands of really smart people over the years, like 30 years in marketing and not everybody who's smart finds language intuitive. So yeah the books for those people but yeah um I'd say that's probably one of the things that makes me savvy yeah fantastic and the second one is to recommend a book let's <laughs> <laughs> well, see if I couldn't get it <laughs> yeah. um uh, you can buy a gift pack which are signed directly from me a book that I I don't know if this will apply for all of you yeah I suppose you know you have a predominantly marketing audience don't you so mm. I really love um Stephen King's on writing which is part memoir part Ooh. manual so I've heard of that as in the Stephen King or a different yeah one. the Stephen King I've never read a Stephen King book because I don't like horror that is not mm. my genre but <laughs> somebody recommended this book and it's one of the most tweetable books I've read I also um did a trial on audible last year when I launched oh, audible's the, awesome isn't it yeah yeah when I launched the audible version of survival skills I thought did I you read it, it. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Because awesome. it's my story. It's such a personal book. Yeah. So I read it. I listened to Seth Godin's On Marketing, the one with the orange cover. Yeah. And I loved that. But I couldn't tweet that as easily because I was listening to it while I was walking along. And that for me is why I didn't carry on with my Audible subscription because I like to annotate and write notes yes. and hold pages over. Yes. So yes, sacrilege to some people, isn't it? Like, how could you possibly pull, like, bend the spine back? I haven't done that on any of mine. I haven't been bending the spine back on these, but I do like to have a book that I kind of mark up and, and yeah. quote bits from. So Stephen King on writing, it's not really a book specifically about writing. It's got a lot of stories behind the way he writes, his process. It's also not specifically for non-fiction or marketing writing but if you're interested in language and you're interested in the craft of writing it's definitely worth a look what is the best way for people to find out more about you then sarah should have just a like bam answer i've just been changing yeah. some of my marketing things around so i'd say go to sarah townsend editorial.co.uk that's got information about my copywriting my speaking both my books you can get to the books that way but if you want to connect with me on social media i would definitely say find me on linkedin as a starting point 
or Instagram. If you're enjoying Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club, use your podcast app to rate, review and subscribe. She put in there all the ways you can catch up with her and connect and whatnot. So go ahead and do that. We'll put some links in the show notes as well. Uh, We will give away a copy of her book too. So if you want to screenshot this and share it across your social medias and tag us in, one lucky winner will win that book. But also we'll give away um, a copy of one of the ones that she recommended, probably the Stephen King one. What do you think that looked the most... I never even knew Stephen King did like one that was about him rather than not, about not like, fiction. I don't think it's yeah. about him, is it? But not fiction. It's a mixture, isn't it? Of uh, yeah, about some of his mem- memoirs. Not, not fiction, yeah. Yeah, non-fiction. His memoirs, but also some help helps you with writing as well. So we'll give away a copy of that one too. So in terms of question of the week, do we have a question of the week? I've got something that it's not a question, but it's something that everybody kind of questions and it's something that everybody struggles with. And it's also something that, again, on our training, we kind of went through with somebody because we say the basics of getting your LinkedIn right are getting your headline right. And that means you don't write what your job title is because that is of no interest to anybody else and doesn't tell them, sorry, how you can help them. And it doesn't make them want to buy from you. So if we were to put, you know, co-founder gets Savvy Club, it's totally meaningless it's pretty meaningless to us but it's completely meaningless to anybody outside of get get, what even is get savvy club so in my headline i don't even mention the words get savvy club because it's it's nothing there's a there's a simple formula that all the trainers use um kind of helping ideal client achieve outcome by method and then some keywords in there but what we find is that our clients put their headline together but it's still they haven't gone deep enough so what we're constantly saying is that you're clients and your potential clients are going to buy an outcome from you not the thing you do not the stuff you create Um, and so if your headline is using words that everybody else who does what you do is using then you're not going to stand out in any way but the kind of flip side of that coin is don't be so ambiguous and use all these fancy words that people can't understand what you do but the easy way to do it is to if you're talking about how you help people be happier for example why do they want to or be more empowered why do they want to be empowered why do they want to be happier what will it mean and just keep going along until you go deeper and deeper until you get to like a real reason of that it you know I don't know maybe it's because their relationships failing because they're always so miserable in their job and they're grumpy and they take it out on their partner and they argue a lot and they've got a terrible home life which means that and just go as deep as you can until you really get to the crux which is what's going on inside the mind of your ideal client and it's going to when you use those words it's going to make them think oh my god they're talking to me I need to contact this person and that's how to get your headline right yeah and think about that in your bios as well on other social media platforms so it's called the headline on LinkedIn but it's it's equally as important either on your bio on Facebook on your Instagram maybe on your TikTok wherever else you are you want people to remember nobody pays attention anymore our attention spans are very very low so you need to I know your website about me section you're about me Mm. section on your website isn't really about you no one cares that you've got a GCSE in patchworking back in the 80s or whatever you know it's irrelevant now what's important is how you can change the world of your client or whoever it is that your customer your client so think think about that ask your favorite favorite clients and customers to describe them and where they were before and where they are now and that could help you get some real good buzzwords remember once somebody said to us oh just fed up faffing i thought we'll have that because a lot of people are faffing with social media, are faffing with marketing in their business before they work with us. And we, we really like just give them a step-by-step guide as to what to do. And then it's just 
far easier. They can just go, crack on with it, get going, not look back, which is what it's about. So brilliant. Thanks for joining us on another episode and we will catch up with you again on the next one. See you later. Have a fantastic day. Bye. Bye. That was Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club. If you enjoyed it, connect with us on social media. Just search Get Savvy Club.